Well, good morning, church. Let's try again. Good morning, church. Glad you are here this morning, and today we're going to continue and next week wrap up our series called Prayer Unleashed. And kind of the heartbeat behind this series is I want us to begin to consider our prayer life. Like, as we've gone through this, I think there's maybe moments as we've talked about things that it kind of cause you to pause and go, what about my prayer life? Because the thing about it is this, I hope as we've gone through the series, one thing we've all learned is that prayer is our lifeline to the creator of the universe. If you believe that, say amen this morning. It is our lifeline. The way we commune with the Heavenly Father is through prayer. And for some of us, while we know it's important, while we know prayer is valuable, for many of us, we don't really carve out time to commune with our Heavenly Father. And I hope, of course, the series that many of us have been challenged and motivated to realize, okay, when I do pray, when I, when I commune with God, when I, when I break free from the world around me and I get alone with God, I realize that my prayer is literally me crying out my dependence on God, that I desperately need him. Does anybody need the Lord this morning? Man, I hope so. And when you pray, you're saying, God, I don't have this. God, I can't fix this. God, I can't do this on my own. I need divine intervention. I need you, Lord. But also when we pray, it's not only about desperation and our dependence on him. Also when we pray, we're saying, God, I want to align my heart to your heart. I don't know about you, but sometimes Doug falls into the trap of praying and asking God to do the very things that Doug wants God to do for Doug. Anybody else like that? You pray for God to do things that I want for me too, right? Okay, great. So we all pray that way, don't we? We all pray that way. But when we pray, prayer is literally saying, God, as Jesus said it best, not my will, but your will, that God, my heart wants to be aligned to your heart. And so we've talked about that. Hopefully those things have motivated us to make prayer more of a priority in our lives. And so with that, we've been talking about what are the, as a believer, what are the different kinds of prayers that are to be part of our lives? So we started with the prayer of surrender in Psalms 37. We started with this prayer that when I pray as a believer, part of my prayer should be that prayer of surrender saying, God, whatever you want, I yield to you. You have control of my life. You have a plan for my life. And God, I yield to you. Another kind of prayer that we're to have is the prayer of brokenness. The prayer that says, God, not only do I need you, but God, I want you. That's different, isn't it? Not only do I need you, God, but I, I want you in my situation, we looked at Jonah in the belly of this great fish. And after Jonah prayed, does anybody know what happened after that? What happened? Anybody know? I love it what it says in Jonah. And the great fish vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, it doesn't mean Jonah was dry because he was vomit, but he was on dry land. And God intervened. And in this brokenness, God worked through Jonah's life. And then last week, we said this. That another prayer that we need to be willing to pray as believers who rebel against God is a prayer of renewal. A prayer that says, God, I know that I've blown it. God, I know I've broken your heart, but God, I want to be right with you. I want to be in step with you. God, I want to walk according to your spirit in my life. And if we're going to do that, we looked at Psalms 51, David's prayer where David repented and he confessed. And if we're going to have that prayer of renewal, listen, renewal always requires repentance and confession. So today I want to flip the script a little bit. I want to talk about another kind of prayer that should be in the life of every believer, but it has nothing to do with you. See, every prayer up to this point has been about you and your walk with Christ, and that's great. God, I surrender. God, I need you. God, I want to be right with you. All those are important. But at some point, it's important to take our prayer life and to make it not about us anymore. And so today, I want to talk to you about intercessory prayer. Anybody heard of intercessory prayer? Let me see your hands. 
Okay, that means there's a whole lot of you that never heard that word. The word intercessory just means this, to pray on behalf of someone else. That's all it means, to pray on behalf of someone else. And I want to suggest to you this morning that intercessory prayer is important in the life of a believer. You know why I know it's important? Because Jesus modeled it. And if Jesus modeled it, I'm going to say it's pretty important, wouldn't you? And in fact, in John chapter 17, Jesus, and he does it in other ways, but here it specifically, he models intercessory prayer because he starts with praying about what's about to happen. He was about to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. He was about to go be arrested and is going to be crucified. And he was praying about that. And then he prayed and he began to pray for his disciples. But you know who Jesus prayed last of all for? Us. All those who had come along and believe, he prayed for us that we might be one as he and the Father are one. Jesus prayed for us. The Bible also says that Jesus intercedes on our behalf, that even now while he is in heaven, Jesus is interceding on our behalf. So intercessory prayer is pretty important. So today what I want us to do, I want us to look at the Bible and what does the Bible say about intercessory prayer. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy. If you don't know where that's at, start in the back of your Bible and work to the front. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And once you're there, I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of reading God's Word. We're going to read the first four verses of 1 Timothy chapter 2. All right, go ahead and stand with me. Here's what the Word of the Lord says to the Apostle Paul. First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions and thanksgiving made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may be led peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires for all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the what? The truth. Let's pray. God, we love you. We need you in this hour, Lord. Would you open our eyes to the beauty and the power and the necessity of intercessory prayer in our lives? For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as we go through this passage, there's four things I want to point out. Four things that I want us to talk about as it relates to intercessory prayer. And the first one's found in verse 1. Go back to verse 1 with me. It says this, first of all, then I urge that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. The first thing I want you to notice in this verse is Paul gives us the priority of intercessory prayer. Paul lets us know that intercessory prayer, you and I praying on behalf of somebody else, is a priority in the life of a believer. How do I know that? There's phrases that Paul uses. And if you're new here, one thing you're going to learn about Pastor Doug is, I love words because words tell us something and words lean us in a passage and give us greater understanding. The first thing he says is, first of all, the first phrase, first of all. So Paul comes right out of the gate in chapter two, says, first of all, in other words, as you consider your spiritual life, first of all. Now, first of all, is not referencing a time frame; It's referencing a level of importance. In other words, he's saying, I'm about to tell you something, and what I'm about to tell you needs to be a top priority in your life. Now, obviously, he's going to talk about intercessory prayer, but so what he's saying is that intercessory prayer, that you and I praying on the behalf of other people should be a top priority in all of our lives. And then he says the next phrase, he says, first of all, then I what? I urge. Now, in the original Greek language, this word urge does not mean I would like to suggest to you. It doesn't mean I would like to nudge you. 
It doesn't mean, hey, I'm just going to offer you an option. The word urge here in this passage means I command you. So what Paul's about to say is, I'm going to command you to pray for other people. That if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that it is a command for you and I to pray for other people. Think about it. Most of our prayers are about who? Come on, about who? Me or people close to me. Like when you get older and your kids are, when you have kids or even they're grown, do you spend a lot of time praying for your kids? Am I the only one? Is anybody else? Okay, great. And then if they rebel, do you spend a lot of time praying for your kids? Yes, that's what keeps you on your knees, right? So we know that. But I'm talking about praying for people outside of you and your family. And just listen, I, first of all, at the highest importance, top priority, I urge you, I command you to pray for another. So here's what Paul's saying. He's letting us know that a chief responsibility in the life of a believer is to pray for other people. And then he tells us something interesting. Look at the next phrase. For, first of all, I then urge you that supplication, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for who? Who's it to be made for? For all people. We're going to come back to this phrase in a minute because you're going to hate this one. But for all people, but this all people identifies what intercession is. That I want you to pray for other people. So Paul's saying, listen, I'm about to tell you something that is top priority. And what I'm about to tell you is not a suggestion. It is a command for every believer. And here's what it is. We are to intercede for all people. We are to make intercession, to pray on behalf of all people. Now, let me tell you why I felt like this was a valuable point to bring out, that, that the priority of intercessory prayer. Because how many of you have ever encountered somebody and they said, hey, you know, you're talking to them and you say something like this, hey, I'm going to be praying for you. Anybody ever said that to somebody? Come on, let me see your hands. Be proud. Okay. How many of you, when you left that moment, forgot to pray for that person? Okay. Now, I have, let me just tell you, I have done it, but let me tell you why we do it. It's because it's not a top priority. Now, I don't mean to be, you know, hard on anybody because I'm hard on me too. But the reason we don't, well, Doug, you just don't, I'm just forgetful. Well, so am I. Well, Doug, you know, I'm just, my life is busy. Is anybody else's life not busy? The point is, it's the reason we forget, the reason we don't. And so sometimes what I've learned about me is like, if I'm out and about, someone said, would you pray for me? Hey, can we do that right now? Because I know Doug, and I know I'm forgetful, and I know if I don't put it in my phone, that I'm going to forget that. So the point is, the reason we forget, the reason we don't intercede for those people we promised that we would, is because it's not a top priority. And I want you to hear my heart this morning, church. For you and I, starting with this guy on the stage and working out that way, we as a church have got to say that intercessory prayer is going to be top priority in our life. Because listen, we have people loaded with needs on this board over here. This prayer request board is filled full of pain and hurt and situations and struggles. And we've got people sitting in these chairs in this room that are struggling this morning and we need to be lifting them up. We need to approach the throne of grace on behalf of some other people. Intercessory prayer has to be top priority. But here's the most important part of the passage and it's in verse one again. Let's go back and it leads me to my second point. First of all, then I urge you that supplication prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving made for all people. The second thing Paul does is he doesn't just tell us that we need to make the priority of intercessory prayer. He tells us the content of intercessory prayer. What does intercessory prayer 
look like. So if I tell you to pray for somebody else, many of you are like me. You pray for them, and you just kind of speak some generalities, and you kind of hope God gets it, and you hope things go well. But no, Paul gives the actual content. What are we supposed to pray for other people? And he uses three words, and all three words are somewhat synonymous, but they give us a different flavor of that prayer. So he starts with the word supplication. We've talked about this a couple weeks ago. The word supplication means to make a specific request from God. Not a general one, but a specific request from God. So in other words, he's saying, listen, here's what I want you to do as you intercede. I want you on behalf of other people to make a specific request for them. So maybe they're hurting. God, would you bring healing to their life? Or maybe they're going through a difficult time and they're making decisions. God, would you give them wisdom that comes from your throne? Maybe they don't know Jesus. God, would you make salvation real to them? It's supplication is making a specific prayer request on the behalf of somebody else. Well, Doug, what if I don't know what it is? Well, what do you see missing in their life? Now, I'm not asking you to be judgmental. Well, like, you know, kindness is definitely something missing. That's not what I'm talking about. But if you, if you know that it seems like they're discouraged or disgruntled, because listen, here's what, I know about, here's what I know about people, okay? I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but here's what I've learned in 31 years of ministry. People's body language and their eyes tell you a whole lot about their story. How many times have I had people walk out those doors and go, are you doing okay this morning? I'm doing fine. And then I pull them back and go, are you really doing okay? No. Why'd you tell me fine? Because something about your body language, something in your eyes, when you said fine, let me know that that was not a very good fine and something's going on with you right? And so part of our intercessory prayer, one, the first content is there's got to be supplication, things in that person's life that we are specifically asking God to do. And if you don't know what it is, look at what appears to be missing in their life. Maybe you think they're making decisions. Maybe they're struggling with some stuff. God, would you specifically do this in that person's life? So the content, first of all, is supplication. And then use the second word, prayers. Now, that word prayers, if you remember from a few weeks ago, is a general word for prayers. It means to make requests known and to give thanks for. So when you are praying on behalf of somebody else, first, you're to make supplication, make specific requests on behalf of that person. But secondly, you're to make prayers for them. In other words, give thanks for them. God, I give you thanks that you've placed them in this, on this platform. God, I give you thanks that they have a certain level of influence. God, I give you thanks, because, whatever it is, but you give God thanks for that person. That's part of intercessory prayer. But there's another piece he says here, supplication, prayers, and listen to this, and intercessions. Supplication is a specific request. Prayers is giving thanks for the person, but intercession, some of your Bible translates as petitions, what are those? That phrase literally translates, I love this, it literally petitions and intercessions literally translates to fall into someone. Well, that cleared it up, didn't it, right? To fall into someone. In other words, when you're praying for someone, you're to be vested and involved. So this idea of just merely from a distance advocating for somebody else and going, God, would you just do, a, God, would, I'll pick on Chris, God, would you just do a work in Chris's life and kind of keep myself removed from it? That's not what intercession is. Intercession says, man, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to go after Chris. And Chris, how can I pray for you? How can I help you? How can I encourage you? Intercessory prayer that makes intercession is filled with empathy and sympathy and compassion and involvement. You're like, well, shoot, I didn't think that was what intercessory prayer was. 
Now, would you agree that the way Paul tells us and defines intercessory prayer is way different than most of us treat intercessory prayer? Most of us have a prayer list, maybe, and you pray for people, which is great. You should always do that. But what he's saying is much more hands-on. I want you to specifically ask the creator of the universe to do something in a person's life. I want you to specifically give thanks for that person. I want you to specifically show empathy and sympathy and compassion and get involved. Don't pray and keep your distance from them. Don't pray from a distance. Don't just merely advocate for them. I want you to get involved. Now that stinks, honestly, doesn't it? Because people are messy and people take up time. And who's not busy in the room, right? But go back to the first point. This kind of prayer is a command, not a request. And I want you to think about your own life. Do you pray intercessory like this for somebody? Let me give an example. You say, well, Doug, what would this look like? If I'm going to intercede on the behalf of someone, what would this look like? Well, let me give an example, including all three of those elements. You might say something like this, Father, I'm praying for, you call out their name. God, they're, real, they're going through a, a difficult time right now, and God, their body is failing them, and God, I pray that you would heal them, Lord. But God, I also pray and thank you and give thanks for them because through this difficult time, they have been pointing people to you, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, for that person. I thank you that you've given them a platform so that people look to them and their strong faith only puts them closer to you. And God, I know that they're struggling. This is the empathy part. God, I know they're struggling. I know it's difficult. And God, if, as you open up doors, I would like to step into those doors to support and encourage that person. That's intercessory prayer. It's not hands off, stiff arm from a distance. It's, hey, here I am. As Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. I'm ready to be used. Now, that's what intercessory prayer looks like. And I want to challenge all of us in the room, is that what our intercessory prayer looks like? And if not, this is what it's supposed to look like. And listen, everybody look at me. If we all got that, say, I got it. Because you're going to hate the next part. The next point, the third point is this. Verse 1, very end of verse 1, he says this. For all people. For kings and all who are in high positions that, may lead peace, that we may lead peaceful and quiet lives and godly and dignified in every way. So the, here's what Paul says, that, 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 that the priority of intercessory prayer, the content of intercessory prayer, but then he gives us thirdly the focus of intercessory prayer. Who's the focus? All people. Family. Friends. Co-workers. Neighbors. Lost people, your enemies, the unlovable family members that you have. If you're not laughing, you're the ones we're talking about. <laughs> See, listen, for all people means this. There is no discrimination. All people means what? All people. When you pray for people, it's all people. Now, I love what Paul does. Paul understands as a believer, when you think about the weight of for all people, there's some of us that want to back up and go, I just don't know if I can do that. Or well, who are you talking about? Yeah, I can pray for my family. I can pray for my friends. But, you know, I don't know that many. I don't have that many enemies. But the reality is if we're going to intercede, the focus is all people. Not just your BFFs. Not just your family members. Not just your coworkers that you actually like. But what about the ones you don't like? What about the people in your life that seem to be a thorn in the flesh for you that you wish God would remove them out of your life and he keeps bringing them back? Do you have people like that in your life? Sure you do. All people. And if we were confused, Paul gives us an example. 
Look what he says. Let's go back to the verse. For kings and for all who are in high positions. In other words, if you're struggling for an example, let me give you an example. For those that are politically in authority over you, start with those people. Now, it's interesting what he's saying here. He's like, I want you to pray for everybody. But if you're struggling to figure out who everybody is, let's start with people nobody wants to pray for. Come on, are you with me on this? Let's start with the people that nobody wants to pray for, and that's the, who are those who are in a political authority over me. And let's start praying with those people. People, maybe your boss that, that rubs you the wrong way, that's in a high position, you're not. Let's pray for those people. Let's, let's intercede for those people. Here's what I mean. Let's take a moment for the people. Listen, I don't care where you stand politically, but here's what I know. Some of you didn't like what we had. You don't like what we have. But at the end of the day, we're called to pray for those in authority over us. Are we not? Come on, church. Are we not? Yeah. We're called to intercede for them. That doesn't mean praying that the president or our congressmen or our senators will do what we want to do. But we pray and say, God, I pray this specifically for them. And God, even though I'm going to bite my lip, I'm praying. I'm giving you thanks for that person. And I'm going to intercede and make intercession saying, God, I express my empathy, my sympathy. And God, I don't want to be hands off, but I want to be involved. See, that's really easy to do when they're friends and family members. That's really difficult to do when we're not sure we even really like them. But does that exempt us from doing it? Does that exempt us from doing it? Absolutely not. And so you think about it. Now, I know for some of you, when you think about it, why would he mention political figures in this passage? Well, first of all, it's because nobody really wants to play for political figures. We'd rather rebel and complain, wouldn't we? Come on, wouldn't we? And we think we have it bad. Think about his readers, Timothy, and those that would read this. Who are they called to pray for? Nero. Nero. A dictator and a tyrant who would use Christians and light them up to light his gardens. That's who they were to pray for. That's who they were to give thanks for. That's who they were to say, come alongside and go, God, how can I be involved in the journey you have in that person's life? So if we think we have it bad, think about who was reading it originally. So it doesn't exempt any of us. See, the focus of our prayer, everyone. But here's the most important point, the last point. Look with me in verse 3 and 4. It says this, this is good. What is good? Interceding on the behalf of others. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. Pause. Does that mean if I don't intercede for others, that's not pleasing to God? Come on. If one is true, is not the opposite true? If it pleases God for us to intercede on the behalf of others, is it also true that it does not please God for me to be selfish and to not pray for anybody else? Yes, exactly is what it means. Look what he says here in verse 3. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Now, in this particular passage, he's talking about some of those that are lost that need to be saved. But here's the last point I want you to know. What, and what Paul tells us is this idea of the goal of intercessory prayer. We know the priority of it. Hopefully, we now know the content. Maybe you never knew that before. We know the focus, everybody, but now we know the goal of intercessory prayer. You know what it is? Life change. That's it. It's life change. The goal of our intercessory prayer is that God would intervene, and whoever we're praying for, that God would touch their lives, and their lives would be changed forever. That's it. So for those that are struggling, 
that they might find peace. Those that are hurting, they might find healing. Those that are lost, they might find Jesus. I just want you to know, if intercessory prayer is a command of God, we also need to know what the goal is. And the goal is for God to change somebody's life. So I want to ask you this morning, just real quick, this morning, as you think about intercessory prayer, and you understand now it's a priority, you understand the content, you understand the focus and the goal. Here's my question for all of us. Has intercessory prayer, like Paul outlines it, has it been a priority in your life? But here's the most important question. Will it, moving forward, be a priority in your life? And I hope so. Something I didn't read, I want to go back to. I just want to highlight this real quickly. He says something really fascinating. He says when we pray for those people, it will lead to a peaceful and a quiet life, a life of godliness and a life of being dignified. Here's what he says. When I can intercede and I can make petition for those that are the, the unlovables of the world, those in high places that maybe I don't care for, when I can do that, it will lead me to a quiet life and peaceful life. You know why? Because when there are authorities over me and I intercede and I make a request, I give thanks and I say, God, I want to be part of the solution, not the problem, then I'm left with this conclusion. God is in control, isn't he? And if God is in control, I don't have to get worked up about this. If God is on his throne, I don't have to be distraught. I can live a quiet, peaceful life knowing that God has got this. See, the reason many of us struggle with rest and the reason we have chaos in our lives is because we don't trust God. But when we intercede on the behalf of others and we really do it and we really live out this praying for all people, we can live a quiet and a peaceful life because God's got it. And also we can lead a life that's dignified and godly. Why? Because the only priority of my life is to, is to point people to Jesus. I don't have to change anybody's mind. I don't have to be the Holy Spirit in anybody's life. All I have to do is live in such a way that when people see me, they see Jesus and are pointed to him. That should make our lives way, way, way more simple. But it starts with intercessory prayer, praying for others. So I pray truthfully that you will make intercessory prayer a priority in your life. And you may say, Doug, where do I start? Okay, there's a board right over there. You can start there. You can walk up to the board on the right that says prayer requests. And if you've got one, write it down. If not, you can go up that board and look at it before service, during the invitation moment or after service. And you can just pray. Just pick one of those out in your mind and go, I'm going to pray for them. I don't know their name, but I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray specifically for them. I'm going to give thanks for them, even though I don't know them. And I'm going to make petitions. I'm going to say, God, I, I empathize, sympathize, com have compassion. And God, I want to be involved in their journey, in their story. What, uh, what else? If you don't want to start there, how about... People that you know in your life that don't know Jesus, can you start there? Pray for them. What about, <laughs> what about the politicians in the world today? Should we start praying for them? Okay, only one answer. Should we pray for them? Yes. So would you start somewhere? And maybe in a moment you feel led to pray right now. Well, this altar is going to be open. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do this invitation. Start somewhere. But also, there's a second thing I want you to do today. Up here is about 150 cards that have the names of every family or single person in our church, including our first-time guest up through last week. I want you to take them. I want you to take them home with you. We've done this before, but I feel like this was the most appropriate time to do it. Take it home with you, put it on your fridge, and every time you see it, 
pause 30 seconds to a minute and intercede on behalf of that family. So like, for example, I just picked up the Ward family. So between now and the end of the year, I'm going to be praying for Nathan and Michaela and their entire family. I'm going to be praying. So on my fridge, I still have up the three cards I had before. I have the Tucker family. I have the Peterson family. I have the Henderson family. And now I'm going to have the Ward family. So I spend a lot of time at that fridge sometimes. And so I'm going to go to the fridge. And when I see it, I'm going to pause and I'm going to intercede. And we've got a few things here you can intercede on behalf of them. Some things that you might want to pray for. But in the moment, we have an invitation. I'm going to ask you, if you feel led, would you come grab one of these? Start with one. And then as the, as the invitation goes on, if you realize there's others up here, I don't want any of these left. I want every person in our church to be taken before the throne of God and prayed for every single day between now and the end of the year. So if you come grab one, that's what you're committing to. But I hope there's no cards left up here by the time the day's over. And I don't want Drew grabbing 25 cards. I want you to come, and I want you to grab no more than one or two and go, this, these people, these families. And if you listen, here's the cool thing. If you don't know the families... Ask me. I do, and I will introduce you. And you can say, hey, guess what? This family's praying for you. So I want us to be a church that makes interceding a priority. So in the invitation, you can come pray, come grab a card, but let's make this a priority in our lives and in our church. So right now, I'm going to pray for us. Before I do, I want to intercede on behalf of somebody this morning. We have the principal at East River uh, Ms. Watson, Ms. Watson, where are you at? Okay, right there. She's sitting right over there. We got to pray for the coach a couple coaches a couple weeks ago, and Ms. Watson is the principal at um, at East River. And as a principal, she had to navigate all the personnel, all the administration, all the counselors, all the kids. When that death happened at school, that was a weighty thing. I know for her, and so I want to pray for all of us. But I want to intercede for you. I want to pray for you because what you're doing is investing not just in ways to deal with death, but you're investing life into people by pointing them in the right direction. So as a church, we want to lift you up before the throne of God. So let's all stand together if you would. Everybody stand with me and then let's pray. God, I love you. God, you are amazing. And God, my prayer is really multiple fold today. I pray that for us as a church, that we would realize it is a priority to pray for others. God, I pray as a church that we now understand the content of that prayer. How we're to pray for other people. I hope that was educational for us, Lord, based on your words through Paul. But God, I hope you would convict our hearts of the focus of our prayer. That it's for everybody. That there is no discrimination. There's no opting out of praying for those that we don't like. That God, maybe I pray that that would be the people that you'd most put on our hearts. So God, I pray for us today as a church. That today, intercessory prayer would become a priority for us. I pray that this invitation, Lord, that families would come and, and take a card or two and say, I'm going to commit from between now and the rest of this year, I'm going to pray for this family every day. I'm going to intercede. I'm going to make a request for them. I'm going to give thanks for them. And I'm going to show empathy and sympathy and compassion and beg to get involved in their journey and their story however I can. So God, may that be... A, what defines us as a church moving forward. Yeah, we, yeah it's, we love our music and we love what's going on around here, but God, man, we be a church that's known as a church that prays and not just for ourselves, but for others. And then Lord, today I pray for Miss Watson, her and her husband both, because I know that she brought that home and he had to help her manage that and carry that weight. I thank you that you helped them navigate the journey, that 
But God, I, I just know as I stand here that for, for teenagers and maybe even some of those young teachers, this is a wake-up call. Life really is short. And we need to make the most of it while we can. We need to live with a level of urgency because we don't know what the next breath holds for us. So God, I thank you for Ms. Watson, Lord. And I pray for her that you continue to give her the quality leadership that you've given her, the God that she would continue to be the godly example on her campus and not just pointing people to the right way of responding, but pointing people to you, Jesus. I thank you for her, Lord. I thank you that you have, at this right time, at this right moment, positionally placed her on that campus. God, you knew before the foundations of the world this moment was going to happen, and you placed Miss Watson right there at East River to be your mouthpiece and your vehicle. God, I thank you for her. I thank you that she's been used by you. But God, I know she struggled. I know it had to be tough. God, I wouldn't want to sit in her seat. So God, I pray as a church that we could come alongside her, that we could encourage her, build her up, support her, and join her in the journey of making a difference in the lives of some students. I thank you for Ms. Watson, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. This morning, Lord, I just pray that we would be faithful to respond to you. For it's in your precious and your holy son's name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Listen, hey, if you need to come pray, the altar's open. Maybe you've got some unfinished business with the Lord that you need to get on your knees and confess. That's fine. Maybe you've got somebody, when I talked about interceding, man, a name popped up. And right now, while it's fresh on your mind, you want to come before the Lord and pray. Maybe you want to do it at your seat. But at some point as we continue to sing and worship, as you feel led, would you come grab a card of a family? Then the only thing I ask you to do is when you grab the card, just flip it over and make sure it's not your name. But don't rifle through them trying to find a family you want. And if you don't know them, I'll introduce you. But I don't know about you, but I'm just going to say this honestly. I need your prayers. I want your prayers. Because I want to touch the Lord in my life too. And everybody in this room feels the same way. So can we make this a priority this morning to make sure we grab a name or two? And between now and December 31st, every day, intercede for that family. So have the Lord lead you. Would you just be faithful to respond this morning as the band leads us.